Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? It is now March, which for those who have been following the last few episodes, you know that I'm kind of excited about this month because ever since I started this podcast, I have not really had a month where I was able to just constantly talk about new movies. There have been enough new movies where I can talk about one, maybe two a week, but for this entire month, there are enough where I can talk about basically two every single week. Now, this episode, I will not be talking about new movies. I'm going to be talking about old movies that I have just watched or rewatched in preparation for a couple upcoming new movies at the theater. The first I'll be talking about are the Scream movies because the new Scream is coming out just a week after I'm planning on dropping this episode, so I think it'll be coming just in time. But yeah, I'm really excited to talk about these movies. For those who have been following from day one, which is just last October, you guys know that I really love slasher movies, and one of the main reasons is just because... I like seeing a bunch of people get killed in creative ways. That is fun to me. I like the suspense these movies create. And also sometimes the bad acting and the bad decision making can be kind of entertaining to me as well. So that means that even the worst slasher movies are pretty entertaining to me because they'll be packed with all of that stuff. But at the same time, I really love a well-made slasher as well. For example, John Carpenter's Halloween is one of my favorite slashers of all time. Maybe my favorite of all time. Probably my favorite now that I say it out loud. But funny enough, I had seen just about all of the Halloween movies. I had seen a good amount of the Friday the 13th movies. And then I had seen a few other movies that some would consider slashers that kind of break the genre a little bit. But more or less, they fit into the genre. One of those being Your Next. The film Ready or Not kind of falls into that category because there's the whole final girl trope and a bunch of people are getting killed throughout the movie, but it's not like a traditional slasher where there's just one killer trying to kill one person at a time or anything like that. But anyway, the point is that I had seen a lot of those movies, but I hadn't watched the Scream movies. I'm not sure why exactly. I think it's just because... As a kid, I didn't watch those types of movies, and then when I got old enough to watch those types of movies, the ones that I saw most often on TV that were on replay were the Halloween movies, and then occasionally there would be the Friday the 13th movies, which kind of all suck ass to be honest, but it's still a fun enough concept where I watch them when they come on, but maybe I'm a masochist, I'm not sure. But it wasn't until the new Scream movie was coming out that I got into this franchise and I did not watch any of the Scream movies prior to seeing Scream 5. And it's just because I was trying to see everything at the theater and I heard it was really good and I had taken a newfound interest in slashers or at least at that point in time I was binging through a bunch of slasher movies and I said, you know what, I heard Scream 5 is good, I'm going to see Scream 5. And I really enjoyed Scream 5. I saw it a couple times at the theater. And then I got better acquainted with the Scream fandom. And it turned out a lot of Scream fans did not like Scream 5. Or they liked it enough, but it was like their least favorite Scream movie. And I could talk a little bit as to why that is. Some of the reasons people feel that way. 
One of the main reasons, though, is because the first four were all directed by Wes Craven, and the fifth is not directed by Wes Craven because he passed away. Rest in peace to him. And so that's one of the main things, is that for diehard fans who love Wes Craven and watched all four of his Scream movies, of course when a new one comes out, they're going to give it a shot because of their Scream fans. But to them, it's automatically going to not be the same because it's not from Wes Craven. I think that's perfectly valid, for sure. But as somebody who came in with no prior attachments to the franchise and just saw the newest one, and I got the idea of it, too, where I didn't have to see all the other ones. There's not a ton that you need to know. And I should probably clarify that there is a bit that I knew about the franchise, but it was based off of watching Scary Movie 1, which is a pretty solid parody of the first Scream movie. And that's where I'm going to start today, is with Scream 1. So that was the next one I watched after seeing Scream 5. I watched Scream 1 so that I could return to the beginning, return to the original. And I really like the first Scream. I think that it is probably... The best in the franchise, partially because it's the most original. It has some of the best chase sequences. I think the opening scene of that one is probably the best opening scene. And the killer reveal, although I kind of already knew where it was going because I had seen Scary Movie, I think it's a really good killer reveal. And not to mention the performances by some of the actors in this movie, specifically Matthew Lillard in the third act of this movie, completely crushes it. So I actually talked about this movie during the month of October when I was doing my Final Girl Friday segments where I was talking about my favorite slasher movies and Final Girl characters. So I went more into depth on this movie back then, but for those who did not listen to that episode, I'm just going to tell you that Yes, I like Sydney Prescott. I think she is a very good character. I think she's a likable character. One thing that I appreciate about Final Girls, which for those unfamiliar, that's just the girl that survives to the end of a slasher movie, which would be Neve Campbell's character, Sydney Prescott in Scream, or Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode in Halloween or Laurie Strode in Halloween 2, or Laurie Strode in Halloween 2018, or Laurie Strode in Halloween H20, or Laurie Strode in Halloween Kills, or Laurie Strode in Halloween Ends. So yeah, I mean, those are the final girls that come to mind for me. But in my episode back in October, I noted that I really like Sydney Prescott as a final girl because I appreciate when the final girl is not completely just dumb. Because a lot of times they'll make it where they're just so hysterical, they make the worst decisions, and sometimes they get bailed out in the end by somebody else. But I feel Sydney, by the end of the first movie, genuinely makes good decisions and has a couple iconic lines at the end as well, which is another thing that gives a boost for me to the final girl. So a lot about the first Scream movie was making fun of other slasher flicks at that time. And they do a very good job at that because these movies are very meta, they're very self-aware, and they're always poking fun at other movies, both in their genre and outside of their genre that are maybe just trendy movies and things that were found in movies at that point in time quite often. And I think the first movie does the best job of that out of any of them. 
while also telling a good slasher story where if you hadn't seen Scary Movie and someone hadn't spoiled the plot to you, I think you'd be able to figure out probably who's doing everything, or at least know half of who is doing everything if you went in completely blind. But the fact that I knew the killer reveal and it didn't ruin the movie for me, I was able to genuinely enjoy it from start to finish and feel the suspense and the fact that I knew which characters survived because I had seen later movies in this franchise where most of these characters are alive. I still found it suspenseful. Now let's move on to Scream 2, which I like Scream 2 as well. Scream 2 is also parodied in Scary Movie. So there was a lot that when I was watching Scream 2, I said, oh, I didn't realize Scary Movie parodied both the first and second Scream. But yes, it does indeed. I think the opening scene is iconic, but it is somewhat ruined by the fact that I had seen Scary Movie. That's a real shame, actually, is that some scenes are ruined, some scenes are not. The opening scene definitely was, for me, the movie theater scene at the beginning of Scary Movie 2. Or Scream 2, I mean. But the rest of the movie was very interesting because I really didn't know much about this film at all. I had never seen any spoilers for it. I had no idea who the killer could have possibly been. But I did kind of like seeing some familiar faces in this movie. Some people who were probably not totally huge at the time. I'm not sure how big they were, to be honest. But Timothy Oliphant is in this movie. Sarah Michelle Gellar is in this movie. And then the sister from Arrested Development. Can't remember her name. But she was in the movie. I remember looking at her thinking, I know her from somewhere. And then I went, oh, Arrested Development. And then Jada Pinkett Smith as well. But it was kind of a fun thing where I said, I know nothing about this movie and I'm seeing these actors pop up who are not totally huge at the time because they were super young and they all give pretty fun performances in this flick. And I think this one does a good job at not being a retread of the first movie because, I don't know, with sequels they can sometimes completely jump the shark where they just go in a completely different direction and it's a bit too much. And then they can also play it too safe where it's almost entirely a retread of the first movie just with a couple different characters mixed in. But this one is a bit different. It adds a few new elements. They're in a new environment. And I truly was wondering who the killers were for most of the movie. Killers or killer, I guess. Because each of these movies, some have two killers and some do not. But half of it is you're trying to figure out who the killer is, but the other half is you're trying to figure out what their motive is. And sometimes if you can figure out what their motive might be, it can point you to who the person might be. But there's also some good misdirection in there as well. So I think they do a good job with that in just about all these movies. The only one where it wasn't a surprise to me was the first because I had that spoiled from Scary Movie. And then the fourth because I had that spoiled on Twitter before I ever watched the movie. But Scream 2, I enjoyed. I thought it was a step down from the first movie, but I still enjoyed it more or less. I thought it was pretty good. There's a pretty solid chase sequence in this one as well. It's at a sorority house, and it is spoofed in Scary Movie. I'm going to stop talking about Scary Movie after this one because this is the last one that is spoofed by Scary Movie, but I'm just saying that there is a scene in Scary Movie that spoofs the sorority house chase. And it's a good chase sequence, but it makes it a lot funnier if you've seen Scary Movie. 
But now that brings me to Scream 3, which Scream 3 is actually the least popular Scream movie. It is considered the worst Scream movie. And I believe even Wes Craven had, not to say talked bad on the movie, but he did say that the guy who wrote it, he didn't think he really knew the franchise too well, knew exactly what they were doing. Like he didn't get the whole satire aspect of this franchise that yes, they're slashers, but they're kind of making fun of other slashers. There's a lot of meta humor and things like that. And I don't think he got that, or at least that was what Wes Craven had said. And I kind of got the same vibe from watching it, but I went in watching it with that in mind. And honestly, I thought it was an okay movie. This was one where I was pretty sure the entire time who the killer was, and I ended up being wrong. And so that alone kind of gave it a bump for me where I said, okay, I, not to say I was duped, but I was kind of duped. And part of the reason is that there was somebody that I said, it's so obvious it's this person that in a normal movie, I'd say, oh, it's probably not them because it's too obvious. But because this one was so poorly received by people, I said, okay, this person is probably the killer. And that's why people didn't like it because it was so obvious who the killer was from start to finish. But no, I was wrong. This is another one, though, that had a pretty fun cast because Patrick Dempsey's in it, Carrie Fisher is in it, Emily Mortimer is in it, and Patrick Warburton is in it. Also, there's a random Jay and Silent Bob cameo from Kevin Smith and whoever the other guy is. And that kind of threw me off for a second. I was like, well, the cameo wasn't Kevin Smith and his buddy, it was literally Jay and Silent Bob as the cameo. So I said, what universe does this movie take place in? They're in the Jay and Silent Bob universe? I actually honestly almost forgot about that scene until I was looking at the cast just now. I went, whoa, Kevin Smith? He's in this? And I went, oh, yeah, he's Silent Bob. But yeah, this one itself, I thought that the mystery aspect was good enough. I don't really remember any scenes being that suspenseful. I don't remember there being that great of chase scenes in this movie necessarily, but I was still intrigued enough from start to finish where I gave it a pass overall. I thought the third act was a little bit odd. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Even though I liked the reveal, I wasn't a fan of the rest of the third act because I said, well, this is really where the movie should hook me where the suspense should be at an all-time high and at that point I don't want to say I was checked out but I just wasn't as invested as I should have been and another thing is that Scream 2 has this thing between David Arquette's character Dewey and Courtney Cox's character Gail Weathers where they clearly have chemistry in the first movie and they're kind of a thing in the first movie they clearly like each other but then in the second movie, Gail Weathers has written a book about the events of the first movie, or at least loosely based on the events of the first movie, and it kind of makes Dewey out to be a bit of a doofus. And so he's kind of mad at Gail, and they have this strained relationship in the movie where he doesn't really trust her, and he feels a little betrayed by her for the way she portrayed him in that book, and kind of just thinks she's a nasty person. And so a subplot in this movie is them kind of regaining their respect for each other and regaining their, I don't want to say relationship, but kind of a relationship. 
But then Scream 3 pretty much retreads that all over again, where it's, oh, Gail went off to do her Gail Weathers stuff, and Dewey's upset about it, so now they cross paths, and they're both kind of bitter about each other, and you play through that all over again, and I just didn't really care. I don't care as much about their characters. Like, Gail Weathers is fine, and Dewey is fine, but the two of them together, I just don't care that much so that kind of weighs down both the second and third movie for me all of their scenes together I just don't care that may be blasphemy to most diehard scream fans but for me it doesn't work I really don't feel the chemistry that a lot of people feel when they see these two it just doesn't really seem like a perfect match to me but now let's move on to scream 4 So I was expecting to really like Scream 4, and to be honest, I just remember being bored for stretches of this movie, but I guess I should note right away that the opening to Scream 4 is a bit over the top, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of hilarious, because in just about all these movies, there is an opening kill, like the first scene is the first kill of the movie. And this one goes through like three different first kills because a big plot point throughout these movies is that there are these stab movies that are based on the events of what's happening in the screen movies. And that's where they're able to come up with a lot of their meta dialogue where they're poking fun at certain slashers and certain Hollywood movies is because they talk about how these stab movies are being made, who's playing each character in the stab movies. And they make certain, I'll say, jokes about that, but they're not necessarily jokes. They're kind of just references to the real world, more or less. But yeah, this movie opens with a bunch of different kills. And it's because it'll be one, and you watch it happen, and then it cuts to these two girls who are watching the last stab movie. And then... There's a death there because that's the opening to their stab movie. And then it'll cut to other people watching a stab movie because this next kill is going to be the opening to this scream movie. So it's kind of a first kill within a first kill within a first kill. And it's a little bit silly, but I found it to be pretty entertaining. And there's some random cameos in that scene of bigger actresses that. I just thought it was funny to see in a screen movie, even if for a very limited role. Because you see Kristen Bell, Anna Paquin, Britt Robertson, and I don't really remember the others, but those are the main ones that come to mind when I'm looking through the cast scrolling through, because I don't remember who all the girls were, but those were the ones that stood out where I said, oh, hey, I know them. But yeah, there's some pros and cons of this movie. I think the pros of it is that I really like the cast, not just the cameos at the beginning. Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody are also in the movie, which, by the way, I keep accidentally watching Adam Brody movies, and I am now pretty sure that Adam Brody is going to end up as my most watched actor of the year when all is said and done, because Letterboxd does that. They'll track your most watched director and your most watched actor, and I've now watched like five Adam Brody movies so far this year, and I'm about to watch another one in a couple weeks with the new Shazam movie. And there are two other movies on my watch list that I'm trying to watch this year that he is also in, not even for a major role, but he is in these other movies that I'm going to watch. So he's kind of a random actor to have as your most watched actor, but he's probably going to end up at the top of my list. 
But yeah, him and Anthony Anderson are in this movie and they do a good job in their brief roles. They're kind of funny. Now, as for the rest of the movie, it drags during certain stretches, but I was invested because I do like some of the characters. This was one that I should note I did have spoiled. I mentioned that earlier, but I had the killer spoiled and it was because someone had put out a picture where they said, what's your favorite ghost face reveal? And they had a picture from four of the movies. One was from the first Scream movie, which I think at that point I had already watched. One was from the newest Scream movie, which I had already watched. And I don't remember what the other one was from because it was somebody that I didn't make a mental note of. They didn't immediately click in my head. And then the last one was one of the characters in this movie where I looked and I said, oh, that's the killer. The whole time I'm watching the movie and I'm like, it is definitely this person. Like I tried to erase it from my memory, but I knew exactly who it was the whole time. So it did remove some of the mystery to the film, which didn't ruin the first movie for me, but it kind of weighed this one down a little bit. But there was also the fact that I said, I have seen the movie after this one and I know exactly which characters are in that. And then there's another character in this movie that is in the newest scream that's about to come out where I said, well, okay, I already know who's going to live and who's going to die. Like, that seems fairly obvious. But that didn't exactly play out, because there was a wrinkle to the killer that I had not seen before, that despite seeing a picture of the ghost face reveal, it didn't reveal the full aspect of it. Trying to say this without spoiling in case you haven't seen these, but if you have, I'll just say, I only knew about half of the equation. And then also, one of the characters who I assume survived definitely, totally, absolutely dies in this movie, and I have no idea how they are in the newest Scream movie at all. No clue. Like, if that person is alive, that is bonkers. But at the same time, I guess I'll talk about that in a minute with Scream 5, where there are a lot of characters that probably should have been dead that aren't dead in that movie. But yeah, Scream 4, I did enjoy it more or less. I found it dull in certain points. I liked a couple characters a lot. Hayden Panettiere plays one of the main characters in this one. Her character's name is Kirby Reed. I really like Kirby. She's honestly one of my favorite characters in this franchise. Maybe my favorite. Right up there at the top. She's in my top five for sure. And then Emma Roberts is really good in this movie as well. I'm a huge fan of Emma Roberts personally. I think she is quite funny, actually. In the show Scream Queens, she's pretty dang hilarious. And she's also funny in We Are the Millers. And this movie, she's not playing this super silly, goofy character. But she definitely cracks me up in this movie at quite a few points. Not entirely the way that Matthew Lillard's character entertains me in the first Scream movie, but sort of in that boat, I guess. But yeah, this is another one that I thought was good. I didn't think it was great. I thought there was some interesting stuff they did. They tried to modernize it a little bit, and I appreciated that, that they wanted Ghostface to adapt a little bit from previous versions where it wasn't just him calling on the phone and than stabbing people, that there was a little bit more to the movie than that. Also, I got a note because this is in Scream 2 and Scream 4, and it's technically in the first Scream movie as well, but with a different movie. But it's the scene 
in all of these where a bunch of people are watching a slasher movie. In the first movie, I think they're watching Halloween and they start cheering when a character gets undressed. I have to rewatch it, but I thought they were watching Halloween. But all the guys cheer when a girl takes her clothes off at one part. And then in Scream 2, they're watching the newest Stab movie in theaters. That's where the movie opens, is at the movie theater. They're watching Stab. And this character's about to take a shower. And when she takes her robe off, all the guys in the theater start cheering, which again, I thought was hilarious. And then they do the same bit in Scream 4 because I believe, again, they're watching one of the Stab movies at this place. It's a bunch of the film club nerds at their school. But sure enough, when a character takes their clothes off, all the guys there start cheering, which, yeah, it cracks me up every time. It's a stupid, stupid joke, but it does crack me up. But I was saying that I liked some of the aspects of this one. They kind of implemented technology a little bit more into the movie to add a little bit more to Ghostface's motives, I suppose. Because in some way, these killers in a lot of these movies are motivated by how much serial killers are glorified and almost made into these cult heroes would be the wrong word, but they're borderline pop culture figures. I mean, you got like Ted Bundy did some unspeakable stuff and there are just a million documentaries and movies made about Ted Bundy. You got Jeffrey Dahmer, same case. I see people making fan cams of Jeffrey Dahmer. In fairness, it's Evan Peters' Jeffrey Dahmer they're making fan cams of, but nonetheless, these serial killers are almost glorified in media and these movies kind of poke fun at that. Poke fun might be the wrong word, but they definitely point out how the way that we glorify these serial killers can kind of inspire other people to try and do that stuff. So in these movies, they're motivated somewhat by the stab movies, but it's also just, hey, Sidney Prescott became really famous because she survived being attacked by Ghostface. And so to them, it's like, well, I can either be famous by being Ghostface or I can be famous by Ghostface trying to kill me, but not successfully killing me. But there's just that fame aspect that revolves around serial killers, and it's kind of fascinating. And I feel like that's way more relevant today than it probably was at that point in time. And so I feel like there's more that they could do with that now in their newest movies than they probably are doing. But hey, I'm getting on a tangent a little bit, and so I'll just get back on track and say, Scream 4, I enjoyed the cast of the movie. I enjoyed some of the performances. Some things can't help but feel like a retread, but I do appreciate that they tried to do new things with this one. And so overall, I liked it. It's definitely a step up from Scream 3, but it's not on the same level still as the first Scream movie. So now I'll talk about Scream 5, which I told you guys, I really like Scream 5. I saw it a couple times in theaters. I was a fan of it. One of the main reasons I saw it was because Jack Quaid was in the movie. Yes, I heard good things about the movie. Yes, I was intrigued by slashers, but I like Jack Quaid, he's on The Boys, and I'm a fan of that show. And he's also super funny in the movie, Logan Lucky. But yeah, this movie, I think, is actually really well directed. I think it is the best directed of the franchise right next to the first Scream movie. I can understand why people don't like it, because yeah, it's not Wes Craven, and so it doesn't quite feel the same as the other ones. It feels a little bit more serious than the other ones do. Even though there's some meta dialogue, it doesn't feel like it is 
as much a parody of other movies in its genre as the first four were. And otherwise, there are two knocks that I see on the movie quite often. One is that there are no good chase sequences in this movie, which, yeah, sure, there really aren't. But I also feel like the first and second movie are the only ones with notable chase sequences. I don't really remember much from the third and fourth in that regard. There might be some, but I just don't really remember any that stand out to me. The other complaint that I hear pretty often is that the movie was afraid to actually kill characters off. And that's completely fair. And something I did notice when I first saw the movie where there were a couple characters that are being put on stretchers and put in the back of ambulances at the end of the movie where I said, wait a minute, they should be dead. And even the beginning of the movie, every Scream movie has opened with a first kill. And that was something I was talking about earlier, all the first kills and opening movies. And this opening scene is really good. It's pretty reminiscent of the first movie in some ways. But the girl doesn't get killed. She's hospitalized, but not killed. And that does serve a purpose in the plot. But it's like, okay, she just gets injured badly and hospitalized, but not killed. There's a character that then dies that you have no attachment to whatsoever. They're just a guy that you first meet the scene before their death. And they die literally the very next scene. And of their actual friend group, there's really only one person that dies. Technically a second one if you want to reach, but it's somebody that's not really friends with everyone in the friend group. They're just associated with the friend group. But yeah, I think this movie struggled to commit to kills partially because they made a bunch of characters that are all likable in their own ways. And I think they were nervous to kill off a character that people liked enough where they wanted to see them in future movies as a mainstay character. Because, you know, Sidney Prescott survives the first movie. But so does Gale Weathers, so does Dewey, and so does Randy. And some of those characters became what you would call legacy characters, where it's characters that were in the franchise from the very start and have continued to be in the franchise, and they're kind of brought back for every movie, regardless of the time gaps in between the movies. But yeah, I think that was why they hesitated to kill too many characters off, is because they weren't really sure which characters people were going to be attached to. And I get that because there are some characters that survive that I really, really like. But at the same time, I said, yeah, but they should have died. That's kind of something that adds weight to the movie is when characters you like get killed off. But they have promised for this newest Scream movie that there will be way more kills than in Scream 5 and that most of the cast will not be safe, which is a shame for me because I do like those characters, but at the same time, I understand that in order to make a good slasher-like scream, you have to sacrifice some of these characters. Some of them have got to die. Otherwise, the story loses its weight. There's no feeling of suspense if you feel like every character you like is going to survive each movie, and I honestly think that that was a problem with the first four movies is, yeah, Sydney can survive because she's Sydney, but do Gale and Dewey have to survive every single movie when they're so close to death in every single movie? I'm back on my Gale-Dewey hate train. I actually like both of them individually as characters, but, you know, I feel like one of them could have died in one of the earlier films, and that might have benefited the franchise overall. 
But large in part, I think those movies were good about killing off characters regardless of the status of the actor, if they were a bigger actor in real life, and regardless of whether or not people liked the character. And so they definitely were afraid to do that in Scream 5, and I think that the reason I cited was probably the reason that they were, one, afraid to kill off characters that people were really attached to because they are new directors to this franchise. It's been Wes Craven up to them, so I think they wanted to build goodwill with the audience before they took a ton of creative risks, so I think they played a bit safer on that aspect. And I also think that they wanted to see which characters people really connected with before they made their next movies. So they knew, okay, these ones are going to survive. These ones we can kill off and it might make a bigger impact in the story. But hey, we'll see. I'm excited to check out the new one to see what they do with it because like I said, I really like Scream 5. I understand some of the complaints about it, but I think it is a really well-directed movie. I do like the cast of the movie and it's got the song I Don't Want to Talk by Wallows in the end credits, which I freaking love that song, dude. So overall, I'm a fan of the movie, and I like the ghost face reveal. Even though I kind of saw it coming, I do like the ghost face reveal. And again, I noted one of my favorite characters in the franchise is Matthew Lillard in the first because of his performance. He's so over the top. There's an actor in this one in the ghost face reveal that is just great. Like every line from them is a banger. Because they're so over the top. It's kind of entertaining. But I'll say no more on that. So if you are somebody who has not seen the Scream movies, I would recommend checking them out. I think the first one is a great movie. I think it does a great job being satirical about other slasher movies while still being a good slasher on its own. I think the second one is a worthy sequel. It's not as good as the first, but it is still a good movie nonetheless. The third one is maybe the biggest step down, but at the same time, it's a decent slasher. The fourth one, look, I said I got bored during stretches, and I think one of the main things is I knew who the killer was the whole time, and I knew who was in the very next movie of the cast of this movie. So I didn't quite feel the intensity that I probably should have while watching it, so I think Scream 4 is pretty good. It's decent. And then Scream 5, I really liked it. I thought it was a good way to relaunch the franchise, and... I think they're going to be able to take it in a very interesting direction going forward. So if you've seen the Scream movies and are thinking about rewatching them, then I would go ahead and do a rewatch before you see this newest one. If you have not seen the Scream movies, I'd say give them a shot, especially if you like slasher flicks. Or if you have seen these a million times and do not agree with my assessment of them, then sure, you can reach out and talk to me about it. I seriously do get that after a lot of episodes where I'll have a random friend that I didn't even know was listening, will be like, did you really say this movie was this and this? And I'm like, yeah, well, here's my reasoning. I'm always respectful about it because, hey, there are movies that work for 90 plus percent of people that do not work for me. And then there are movies that work for like almost nobody that worked for me. So I'm not going to agree with you guys on everything. And that's totally cool. I try to explain enough about why I enjoy these movies, though, so that you can kind of know if maybe it'll be your specific taste in movie before you go to see something or before you don't see something. But anyway, I mentioned that I was going to talk about a couple franchises. I said I was going to talk about the Scream franchise, and then there is the new Creed movie coming out, which due to time constraints, I will just talk about those Creed movies when I talk about the new Creed movie. I'll briefly refresh on those. 
and then talk about the new Creed movie in my next episode. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following me so that you get notified right when the episode drops. Otherwise, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. You'll hear from me soon.